Chapter 36 of Darkness and Daylight, or Lights and Shadows of New York Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Darkness and Daylight, or Lights and Shadows of New York. Chapter 36 by Thomas Burns. Bank Sneak Thieves and Their Characteristics Plots and Schemes for Robbing Moneyed Institutions A Daring Lot of Rogues For many years, sneak thieving from banks flourished to an alarming extent in New York City, and under the old detective system it seemed impossible to put a stop to this form of robbery. In those days, notorious thieves were permitted to loiter unmolested about the streets, and on more than one occasion it was alleged that well-filled cash boxes disappeared from bankers' safes in Wall Street while detectives were on watch outside. All this has changed. Well-known thieves no longer haunt that famous locality, and since the establishment of a sub-detective bureau there a few years ago, not a dollar has been stolen by professional criminals from any of the moneyed institutions in this great financial center. The inauguration, also, of a patrol service by experienced detectives during business hours, and the connecting by a telephone of banking institutions with the detective bureau, have been the means of putting a stop to the operations of bank sneak thieves. Still, in other cities where these precautions have not been or cannot be adopted, sneak thieves still carry on their operations and often reap rich rewards. As a rule, bank sneak thieves are men of education, pleasing address, good personal appearance, and are faultless in their attire. They commit the most daring thefts with astonishing coolness. Their exploits are necessarily made in daylight, in busy public places, and these robbers are really more daring and possess more nerve than the bank burglar who prefers to work quietly under the cover of night. The successful bank sneak is not an adept with the picklock, but he possesses great presence of mind, a quick eye, and unlimited cheek. Generally, not more than three or four of these thieves are engaged in a preconcerted robbery, and each of them has his allotted part to perform. One must be a careful lookout, another must be an interesting conversationalist, and a third, generally a small-sized man, is the sneak, who stealthily steals behind the counter and captures the cash box or a bundle of bonds. While some robberies are carried out in a few minutes after the conception of the scheme, others have been planned months beforehand. The rogues who prowl about bankers' and brokers' offices day after day are ever on the watch for an opportunity to make a daring dash for plunder. Their dress and manner are so like those of an honest merchant or stockbroker that their appearance awakens no suspicion as to their real character or calling. They sometimes have the faculty 
of worming themselves into good society, and they often spend their evenings in the lobbies of the leading hotels or other places where those foremost in financial circles are in the habit of assembling to discuss the events of the day. Information gathered in chance chats afterward proves of valuable assistance to the cunning sneak thief and the carrying out of his operations. It is during these brief conversations that the sneak learns what topic will most interest his intended victim. All men have their hobbies, and just as soon as the sneak thief knows that a certain banker, broker, paying teller, or cashier has a weakness for discussing any one thing in particular, he devotes considerable time to studying the subject until he is able to talk upon it properly and interestingly. This is one of the preliminary steps in a well-planned robbery. Next, the thieves make themselves thoroughly familiar with the manner in which business is conducted in the bank they are plotting to pillage. They never neglect any point, no matter how small or apparently trivial it may be. The exact time that the clerks are in the habit of leaving their desks for dinner, the restaurants they dine at, and the time they are allowed for meals are all noted. These are necessary for the success of the undertaking, and when at last all the plans have been perfected, the prize is captured at a time when there are but few persons around. There have been exceptions to this rule, however, and cash boxes have been successfully spirited away just at the moment of the receipt of some astounding financial intelligence, and while the office was thronged with merchants and brokers discussing the startling news. Thefts of this sort require but a moment for inception and execution, and frequently a daring scheme has been carried out simultaneously with the opportunity that made the theft possible. I recall an instance of the great presence of mind of this class of criminals from the record of one of the most successful sneak thieves I ever saw. There was a heated discussion in a broker's office one day about the location of a town in Ohio. The noted robber, on mischief bent, slipped into the place just in time to overhear several gentlemen declare that the town in question was located in as many different counties in that state. While the argument progressed, the wily thief hit upon a plan that enabled him to capture the cash box, which temptingly rested in the safe, the door of which was open. Silently and quickly he left the office unperceived and, meeting his confederate outside, sent him in all haste to a stationery store with instructions to buy several maps, and one especially showing the counties and towns in Ohio. Then, the rogue returned to the broker's office to await his opportunity. A few minutes later, he was followed by his companion in the role of a map peddler. Being at first told that no maps were wanted, the cunning accomplice in a loud voice said, Can I show you a new map? Giving the boundaries of all the towns and counties in Ohio. The appeal was overheard by one of the men who had been involved in the recent discussion. 
telling the peddler to stop. He, at the same time, turned to the other gentlemen present and said, Now, boys, I'll bet whatever you like that the town in dispute is in the county I said, and as chance has brought us a map of Ohio, the bets can be settled without delay. Several bets were made, and for a few minutes the broker's office was in a greater state of excitement than it had ever been before, even in panic days. As the peddler slowly unrolled his bundle of maps, the brokers and the clerks crowded about him, anxious to learn the result. The sneak took advantage of the excitement and the crowd around his confederate and made his way, unnoticed, to the safe. He captured the cash box containing $20,000 and escaped with it while his partner was exhibiting the map. Another professional sneak, known as a man of great coolness and determination, and possessed of no small degree of courage, is credited with having entered a bank early in the morning and going behind the desk he divested himself of his coat, donned a duster, and installed himself as a clerk. He coolly waited there some time, watching for a chance to steal a roll of greenbacks, bonds, or anything valuable that he could lay his hands on. One of the clerks requested the intruder to leave, but the impudent thief retorted by telling the former to mind his own business, and also intimating that as soon as his friend, the president, arrived, he would have what he pleased to call a meddlesome fellow properly punished. The clerk, however, insisted upon the rogues vacating the desk, and he finally did so under protest. In a seemingly high state of indignation, the robber left the place, and later on, the cashier, to his great surprise, discovered that he had suddenly and mysteriously become $15,000 short. Of course, the thief never called a second time to explain the mystery. On another occasion, a bundle of bonds vanished from one of the rooms in a safe deposit vault, and the theft was not discovered until three months after the robbery had been committed. One of the depositors, an old gentleman, had called at the bank for the purpose of clipping off his coupons. He had taken his box out of the compartment in which it was kept, and had gone into a side room that contained a table, where he might clip off the coupons undisturbed. No one was in the room excepting himself, but just as he had finished his pleasant and congenial task, a man whom he believed to be one of the clerks of the bank entered the room for a second. Quietly tapping the old gentleman on the shoulder, he suddenly said, Oh, excuse me, sir, I have made a mistake, and immediately passed out again. While the aged depositor had turned to see who it was that had tapped him on the left shoulder, the supposed clerk, who was a professional sneak, picked up the bundle of bonds which lay near the former's right hand. It happened that the lid of the tin box was down, and having no suspicion, and supposing that he had replaced the bonds in the box, the old man returned the empty receptacle to his compartment. Three months later, 
When he again called at the bank to clip another set of coupons, he discovered that his bonds were missing and no one was able to account for their disappearance. The robbery, it has been asserted, was effected in this way. In the safe deposit vaults was employed a clerk who was in the habit of wearing a buff-colored duster, much debaveled with ink. On the day of the robbery, the clerk was sent out on an errand and was away from his desk for nearly half an hour. During his absence, a sneak thief of his build, somewhat like him in his general appearance, and like him wearing an ink-stained duster, ran quickly down the steps, and without exciting any suspicion, passed the watchman on guard at the entrance to the vaults. No one paid any particular attention to the robber as he passed with brisk business-like air through the several rooms, all supposing him to be a clerk. After he had captured the old gentleman's bonds from which the coupons had been freshly cut, the thief passed out unnoticed with his booty. In robbing country banks, where the clerks are few, and where, during the dinner hour, the cashier or paying teller is often the only man left in the institution, sneaks have a simple and easy scheme for plundering. One first enters the bank and engages the cashier or teller in conversation upon a subject in which the latter becomes deeply interested. While this is going on, a carriage halts at the door, and the driver is sent in to tell the official inside that a gentleman who has hurt his leg and is unable to walk desires to speak to him outside on a matter of business. The unsuspecting cashier or teller excuses himself to his first visitor and quickly goes out to speak to the injured man, and in his absence, the bank is ransacked. Gangs of sneak thieves often travel all over the country with a circus or wild beast show. In the towns and small cities, the parade of the performers creates a considerable excitement, and when the cavalcade passes a bank, the clerks, cashiers, and paying tellers seem to forget themselves and run to the windows to look out. The sneak thieves take advantage of the opportunity and quietly slip into the institution. In a twinkling, their work is complete, and before the procession has passed, they have escaped with whatever they could lay their hands on. If, while watching about a bank, a large check is cashed and the customer turns aside to a desk to count the money, the rogues generally succeed in getting a portion of it. The thief will drop a bill on the floor near his victim, and just as the man has nicely arranged his pile of bills, the thief will politely tell him that he has dropped some of his money. While the latter stoops to pick up the greenback, the sneak will deftly steal a portion of the cash upon the desk and walk off unquestioned. They are not greedy adventures of this sort, but they manage to secure the booty with almost comparative safety, and are content. Heated altercations invariably follow thefts of this kind. After counting his money, the customer hurries back to the teller and insists that a mistake was made and that he is short. The teller is equally positive that he paid out the proper amount, 
and in most cases, a disruption of commercial relations is the culmination of the dispute. Bank sneak thieves are not, however, confined to these systems. They are men of adaptability, and act at all times according to circumstances. They have been known to rob messengers in the street while on their way to a bank to make a deposit. Some messengers always carry the bank book in their hand, with the bills placed between the covers. The ends of the greenbacks may extend beyond the length of the book, and these will instantly catch the quick eye of an experienced rogue. While the messenger is passing through a crowd, he will be thrown off his guard by an exclamation of surprise or a laughable remark. During that unguarded moment, the entire amount in the book has been abstracted, and when the messenger reaches the bank and finds the cash gone, he cannot imagine how it was he lost it. End of chapter 36